FMX Network Production. You cast me What's up, guys? It's Alex Gray, and you're listening to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. That's all we need is more fake news, Pulp MX bullshit. It's quality, not quantity, all right, man? What's up? This is Darkside for the Moto X Pod Show. Welcome to the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show, the number one moto wrap-up show in the industry. And I'm here to discuss this week's Pulp MX Show with a couple guests. But first, let me tell you about our awesome sponsors. Guts Racing was established in 1990 as a premier off-highway seat manufacturing company, offering high-performance seat covers and foam for motocross, supercross, even off-road competition. Guts Racing has worked with every top rider at some point of their career, from Steve Lampson to Jeremy McGrath in the 90s, Ricky Carmichael and James Stewart in the 2000s, and today with Rockstar Husky Pro Circuit Kawasaki and JGR Suzuki, as well as many others. If it's style and performance you want, you've come to the right place. Check out GutsRacing.com for info on the many products offered, such as the Phantom Light Seat Foam. And listen, you know all about Michelin Motorcycle Tires from the Pulp MX Show, and now I'm excited to announce the Michelin Bicycle Tires as a proud sponsor of the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. In 1891, Michelin patented the first detachable bead pneumatic bicycle tire, and to this day, Michelin continues to innovate and produce world-class podium finishing products for both road and mountain bikes. If you'd like to ride the same Michelin bicycle tires as mountain bike legend Cam Zink and the 2019 EWS champion Sam Hill, then visit bike.michelin.com for all the details on Michelin's extensive range of bicycle products and follow them on Instagram at Michelin Bicycle. And of course, those who ride dirt bikes, motorcycles, ATVs, and UTVs know Motosport is the best place for OEM and aftermarket parts, riding gear, and accessories. Motorsport.com's dedicated team of gearheads have the knowledge and expertise to help get your ride working at peak performance and have you looking good too. Whether you race on the track, ride on the trails, or commute on the street, make your next ride your best ride only at Motosport.com. And I want to welcome on our new sponsor, Seal Savers. Since 1999, Seal Savers has offered the ultimate protection of the off-road industry. Seal Savers is the original fork seal protection, starting with the original Seal Savers to prevent dirt, dust, and mud from getting into your fork seals. Seal Savers has since revolutionized fork seal protection with their zip-on Seal Savers, making installation a breeze. So check out their full line of moto products as well as intuitive products for your side-by-side. Seal Savers is the original and the ultimate when it comes to protection. Enter the code PULP25 for 25% off at sealsavers.com. Hey, and don't forget to visit pulpmexshow.com for sponsor links and discount codes as well as the Amazon widget. If you want to be on the Pulpmex Wrap-Up Show with me to talk about the Pulpmex Show or you want to contribute a question or topic for the Hello Pookie segment, send it to darkside at pulpmex.com. Okay, let's get to our guests. Hey, Ray, hit me like a little feather. I the Raj and Ian came to me like, "Hey, you know, just let it go, let it go." And I just told him, "I said, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let it go, but I'm gonna go out here and I'm gonna win this main event." And he said, "Next time, hit me like a fucking man or something like that." Wow! I really had to look for Kate's Instagram since I don't follow him. Is Twist the head? Yeah, I'm kind of the butt. Yeah, I'm, I'm fueled by how much you 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 think I suck. The most amazing thing is, yeah, the Nets saved his life, and, and I, I am to be uh, uh, you know, paid off for that. I don't care about the fake trophies. Right. I need a little bit of A-Ray in my life. Right. Yeah, no, fuck off. They didn't rent that for their super their, their big race. Like, you don't own the trail. Ah, oh, screw this. I'm going out there, and I'm going to try to kick some ass. So. If I OJ it, just stay on my motorcycle and commit to hitting the net. You- it's a fucking race, man! Timmy's like, hey, man, all the amateur people hate you. Did I used to chill? Well, I'm in the process of uh, trying to 
Frankenstein some parts together to get my my bikes, my practice bikes together. Betts' team is going to be called the Montgomery Biscuits. I am not afraid to shit on them. Am I like Granddaddy Chiz? Creepy fire. Welcome back to another episode of the Pulp Mix Wrap-Up Show. I'm Darkside from the Moto X-Pod Show, brought to you by Seal Savers. Tonight's guests are a couple, uh, through their relationship, has they battle through Pulp Mix Fantasy. They listen to the show, so I thought it'd be really fun to get them on. First up, brought to you by Guts Racing, it's Jake Curry. What's up, Jake? Hey, what's going on, Darkside? Not a lot, man. I, uh, I appreciate you guys reaching out. You listen to my show. You listen to the Pulp Show. We uh, interact back and forth and bust balls and have fun, and uh, all part of Pulp Nation brought us together. Pretty cool. But also on the phone, brought to you by Michelin Bicycle Tires, Jake's better half, Jordan McCormick. What's up, Jordan? Nothing really. What's going on? Just another episode of this great wrap-up show known as the Pulp MX Wrap-Up Show. Here's what I want to know from you guys first before we really get into the show. Uh, Jordan, how did you guys meet? Oh, it's one of those things like uh, we met at a bar. Okay. <laughs> um, Jake was actually there with another girl, and I walked up to her and asked if uh, they were together. And she told me no, so I went ahead and introduced myself. Nice. All right. That's kind of ballsy there. Uh, Jake, is that how you remember it? Yeah, she's uh, she's pretty outgoing and outspoken like that. It's uh, There are some more words involved <laughs> sure, than that, sure. but... <laughs> Yeah, it was it was pretty good. So, Jake, when you met her, I assume you're already into moto. Uh, is she into moto? Does she know anything about Pulp Mix or anything like that at the time? Absolutely nothing. All right, so we got to give you a little credit for uh, one of the female Pulp listeners. Yeah, drug her in. <laughs> uh, Jordan, so when you first discover moto and the Pulp Mix podcast, what what do you think? First impressions. So I had no idea anything about a dirt bike whatsoever. Okay. I was raised, I was raised stick and ball sports. Yeah. Like I played sports my entire life. Uh, dirt bikes weren't really my thing. I met him and then he had dirt bikes. We went to races and he's like, you need to listen to this. You're competitive. This is like fantasy, like football fantasy. And I was like, I don't know any of these guys. Yeah, and he yeah. said, but you will, if you start to play. So I started to play a little bit, started to listen to pulp. And I was like, Oh yeah, I could get into this, and then it kind of just took off from there. Oh, I like this. This is good. I think we're gonna have fun tonight. Um, obviously, tonight we're talking about show four fifty nine. Cade Clayson in studio on the phone. We had A Ray, the man Cooper Webb, Wardy, and Nick Way, and of course J- Jason Thomas was on. Uh, Jake, first first off, thoughts on the episode? Uh, I thought it was good. Not as uh, controversial as last week's episode. Yeah. Um, with with Cade and A Ray being in the studio, uh, Jordan and I have uh, had interactions with them uh, in Indy of like 2018 or 2019. Okay, so it was pretty cool to uh, host, I guess, or co-host this show with with them being in studio. Well, Cade was in studio. You mean yeah? And A Ray was just yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Um, Jordan, how what were your thoughts? Did you was this? I mean, to me. It was a good episode, but it was not one of the classics. It was, it was, it was just kind of okay. Yeah, it was. I would say it wasn't exciting to where you're listening and you end up laughing or rewinding something again because you needed to hear somebody say something. Um, I like Cade. I think Cade kind of tells it how it is. Um, Cooper Webb is 
is Cooper Webb. I didn't know much about Wardy because like I, I haven't been into, you know, the dirt bikes for as long. Mm-hmm. So to learn about him was kind of cool. Um, but other than that, it was, it was seven out of 10. <laughs> okay. Seven out of 10. And we're, I want to ask you when are, we're going to get to all that stuff about Wardy and your knowledge. I have all that in my notes. So that's good that you brought that up, but let's kick this thing off with a rivalry for the ages. Cade Clayson <laughs> versus Alex Ray. Yep. Look, we have we have payback, we have redemption, we have taunting. Uh, Jake, whose side are you on? First of all, uh, you know, you cater a Ray in this situation from Saturday night and the Pulp Show. Uh, I think I'm Cade. Okay, I, I think uh, like during the Pulp Show with them with the uh, the 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 bet yep. and going to the uh, uh, what am I thinking of here? Going to the charity. To the charity, yeah, thousand dollars. Yep. I, yeah, I think uh, I think Cade is is going to come back and uh, make the beat points up. A Ray beat A Ray due to A Ray being cattywampus. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I, I, I I would say there's a pretty good percentage chance that that would happen. Uh, Jordan, whose side are you on? Who do you pick? Not that I ever really agree with Jake, but I'm going to go Team Cade. Okay. I, <laughs> I like that he. It, Again, tells it like it is. He's not afraid to take a hit, but you know you're going to get a hit back. And, yeah. like, that's how that's kind of how I am. Like, <clears throat> you stand by your word. You're here to play the game. You mess with the bull, you get the horns. Like, that kind of thing. And he'll stand true by it. I mean, he brought up Carlin Gardner. He owes me one, or I owe him yeah. one. And that's, like, a year from now, you know, so <laughs> – <laughs> yeah, it was good. Um, you know, I think the for me the the taunting which Steve brought up and he didn't like it. Some of the fans, his fans didn't like it. Some of Cage's fans didn't like it. Obviously, A Ray says, well, some of my people liked it, but I didn't like the taunting either. It kind of bummed me out. I had picked, and we're going to talk about fantasy in a while, but I had picked Cade in fantasy, so I was de- Cade or A Ray was definitely on my shit list after that situation. But I love how they handled it. You know, they're still friends. But let's listen to this audio. And we'll talk about it a little bit more. Hey, Ray, um, I, everything's fine. Okay, everything's cool. You hit him hard. You got the spot. Congratulations. I didn't like the mocking. I was just I was just stoked. I was pumped up. That wasn't... The people in my DMs did not like the taunting. And I got some DMs as well from people that are like, I like A-Ray, but that's bullshit. I, I got people saying that they loved it, but... Oh, shocking. It took him a whole year and a half to get me back. It took me, what, four days? <laughs> Blame your buddy Hartraff, dude. He he saved your ass because he was a fucking roadblock the whole race. He he was bunching. God, he hit uh, you hard, dude. Who? A-Ray hit you hard. He didn't hit me hard. A-Ray hit me like a little feather. I just had nowhere to go except into the tough box. He said, next time he hit me like a fucking man or something like that. Wow. Honestly, you two guys are friends, but it, honestly, I feel like if you're together in an LCQ for the last spot, the fact that you're friends means nothing. nothing. Like you'll hit each other. You'll hit each other as hard, like probably harder. Right, harder. Yeah, because I know I can hit him and him be okay with it, and not have to come over to my pit screaming at me. Like we might be mad at each other for a couple days. Right. Like when he ran me off the side of the triple in Salt Lake City last year. Yep. I was very upset after that, mm-hmm. but uh, we get over it. All right, Jake, here's why this is great to me and, and wrapped up in the Pulp Empire. First of all, these guys, A-Ray and Cade, are guys that most of us wouldn't even know about if not for Pulp MX. But because they're tight with Steve and they're part of the show and they've been on many times, they're they're 
being open, they're joking. They're, they're, it's like being being able to watch two best friends, you know, from afar, right? We're just being able to watch their their friendship happen. Like, they're not mad at each other anymore. They were probably mad for a few hours, but they're just still busting balls. A-Ray's like, yeah, it only took me four days to get them, you know, or whatever. Like, it, it's just great. It's not – if this was any other show or, or Cooper Webb and, and Kenny, we're not going to get the same dynamic that we're getting with A-Ray and Cade. Yeah, definitely not. Uh, it's just like like you said, it's like two best buds just yeah. uh, having that rivalry, and I'm gonna outdo you, and then it's just a uh, kind of like a dick measuring contest, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but Jordan, you can hear the friendship in between the two guys, right? I mean, it's like it, it, it's sports. There's money on the line. There's pride on the line, but they're still just good buddies. Oh, they're definitely good buddies. I don't think that they would mess with each other and 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 get on each other like they do if they weren't friends i and i think that that's what makes it awesome i think that that's what makes them so cool to be able to watch their whole story and like i'm coming for you next but like at the same time like we're good yeah like i i do it makes you like closer to them it makes you want to watch the the lcq more than the main event half the time I, I so. agree with that. Yeah. And Jake, I, I really thought it was, I was enjoying Cade talking about like yelling at Bowers and, and Harry's like, yeah, Bowers was pissed. Like that's all stuff we wouldn't, we wouldn't even have known that. Would never know without, without Steve and, and his uh, branding of the two. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it was good. <clears throat> I, go ahead. Oh, I just coughed. Sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was, <laughs> I, it was really, I was looking forward to this segment I kind of thought he would save it for the end. I thought there would be a lot more tension than there was. They clearly, like like Cade said, you know, it's just, hey, man, we're, we're I, this, we'd hit each other harder because we're so, we're good buddies, which kind of like reminds me of racing with my buddies. Like, I don't want anybody to beat me less than my friends. Like, those guys, you know, those guys are the, I, I die almost to beat my buddies. And, ah, man, it was good. Uh, I really, I, I, w- I kind of wish they had had a little more tension, honestly. Uh, I think I, it, go ahead. No, sorry. I think he he think he hit the nail on the head when he said, "And all this for a thousand bucks." Yeah, true. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, good point. Um, yeah, of course, Cade jabbing back about, "Oh, I would have at least finished the main." All the mechanicals A Ray had, and she, poor A Ray, just getting beat up with bikes breaking and bike parts. And we're actually going to talk about his little budget here in a few minutes. Um, Jordan, uh, yeah, Jordan, what about? Cade getting in the way of Cooper's fast lap and Webb revving the shit out of it, which Webb, Webb actually talks about later and kind of blows it off. But again, something – hell, I was at the race and I didn't realize that, like, he was in Webb's way. Yeah, he's – and I love when Webb gets on and he, Webb, he's like – first thing he says is, you know, sorry, man. Like, I think everybody in the stadium heard you revving. And listen, I was just on my lap. Yeah, I yeah. Think that that's what's so cool. Like – yeah, obviously Webb is on a whole different level than and, than Cade. Cade realizes that, but it's still Cade's Cade's main event to get into. So, and you know, people are still cheering for him just as much. You know, so definitely, I think def- it's a cool thing. Yep. Yeah, it's cool. I, I again, why we listen to Paul? One of the main reasons to get this stuff that we really don't get it at, on any of the other shows. There's a lot of other good shows out there, but we get some inside stuff that we don't hear anywhere else. Uh, Pulpamex. Um, Let's see, Jake. George, uh, Steve asked Cade, and he brought this up with JT a little bit too. If Cade is the most improved rider, you know, in the series uh, over from last year, last couple years, which JT said Cody Shock is, and he's probably right with the numbers. But as far as actual 
like pulp guys, especially with our fantasy picks. Cade is doing a great job. I thought it was pretty cool that he brought that up. Pretty interesting. You know, it's hard to say really, Jake, who is the most improved unless you have all the numbers. But Cade's come a long way. Yeah, where do you where do you pinpoint on who's the best or the most improved? You know, uh, I would say Shock has more points than Cade. So yeah, on paper, yeah, you know, the, would Cody get it because on paper he's got more points? Or uh, when you look at the fight, you know, with Cade being in almost every LCQ and battling through and getting good starts uh, and coming from like Cade with Indy where he looked tired and then he made that first one at, uh, yeah. in Indy, you know, it's, it's been a steady improvement since. Yeah. The, the thing we need to highlight here is he attributes some of his improvement to going to club MX and he was able to go to club MX and train all this year so far. And so you guys know, if you didn't hear this, I don't know if you heard this on the show or not, he hasn't been home to see his wife since the start of Supercross season. He's been at Club MX training, and he's able to do that because of Pulp MX and the Yamaha Privateer Challenge and the money he got. A lot of that money went to him putting back into his program and you know, as a privateer and improving himself. And, again, Steve deserves credit for that, for all the things he does, Jordan. That's really awesome. I, didn't, I actually didn't know that at all. I think that's really cool. I, I think another thing that you have to contribute to the whole thing is look at the hump that Cade has come over from being suspended. Oh yeah. So he had, yeah. had this huge block to get through. And now that he's punched that block to get, to get through it from the suspension. And I think that Steve kind of helps him too, like helps him keeping his name out there, keeping him pumped up, keeping, you know, talking about him on, on podcasts or on fantasy podcasts, even, you know, yep. and I, that kind of helps him too. And I don't think you'd ever see any of that if it wasn't for them. Agreed. You wouldn't hear about the slow end guys. You wouldn't. Uh, the, something else I want to talk about. This was uh, probably the biggest topic, I guess, since Arlington 3, was the track at Arlington 3, Jake. A lot of talk about it. Pretty much, I didn't hear anything negative from any of the riders. Everybody seemed to agree it was the best track of the series of Arlington, probably the best track of the year, which Moser even brings that up during X-Brand tear-offs. He says, you know, um, he brought it, was this the best track? And, like, he also mentioned, should we let riders help out? Do you think it was the best track? Like, was it, what What were your thoughts on Arlington 3's track and the, the options and the rhythms and all the cool shit we saw? I think it, uh, throughout the day, uh, watching qualifying and stuff like that, and they even spoke of it, like, uh, with Tomac, that outside on heat number one, making the pass and stuff, where clearly it wasn't the fast line earlier in the day and how, how it evolved and uh, the different options was way better than the one line tracks that we have definitely been getting. Yeah. Yeah. All the riders, pretty much every single one of them, Monday night, a Ray Cooper, uh, you know, even Wardy talking about the track JT on the phone. And even in the review pod that JT, Steven weeds did, they all just were ranting about the different options and Weege even made the comment in the review show that, like, okay, I give it to you. I didn't think this this mythical track was actually possible, one that had so many options, and and he was wrong. And, you know, we wonder, the, the guys talked about, like, why can't they do this every week? And, there's you know, I'm sure there's a lot more that goes into it than we really understand, but it, it was good, a good topic throughout the night. Hopefully, Feld continues this, figures something out, and goes, wow, okay, we saw something different 
at Arlington three. Maybe we can continue to do it. Well, we won't know until we <laughs> we get to Atlanta, which probably won't even be all that super crossy. Who knows what our, uh, Atlanta's going to look like? Um, I'm looking forward to to getting back to racing already, though. I hate that we got three full weeks off. Um, hey, Gus Racing was established in 1990 as a premier off highway seat manufacturing company offering high-performance seat covers and foam for motocross, supercross, and off-road competition. Gus Racing has worked with every top rider at some point of their career, from Steve Lampson and McGrath in the 90s to Ricky Carmichael and James Stewart in the 2000s, and today with Rockstar Husky, Pro Circuit Kawasaki, and many more. If it's style and performance you want, you come to the right place. Check out GutsRacing.com for info on the many products offered, such as the Phantom Light seat foam. All right, let's talk about Cooper Webb, Jordan. Um... Cooper Webb versus Kenny Roxon. Cooper is a little bit polarizing. Uh, some people love him. Some people don't like him. They say he's cocky. Even Mark said that he used to not like him. I, I want to get your thoughts before we talk about Kenny and Cooper. What are your thoughts on Cooper as a just as a rider from what you know about him? Okay, so when I first started watching this, I was always, you know, being involved in watching Supercross, watching Motocross. I was always a Kenny Roxon fan. Kenny Roxon, Kenny Roxon, Kenny Roxon. Okay. So Cooper Webb would come in and, and beat him, and I would be all pissed off about it, you know. And the more the more that I watch Cooper Webb, the more I like him. The more he has a personality. He has a bulldog personality. I mean, he's coming. And he has the heart, and he has the aggressiveness, and which I like in sports in general. So, and to be completely honest with you, the little nuances that he kind of does that where, you know, he might put something at the at the starting line or whatever. I like that kind of stuff. I like the competitive, get in your head, let's see who can duke this out, who can be the best kind of stuff. And he doesn't quit. Right. He does not quit. And that's something to look up to. It yeah. Really is. Uh, Jake, what about you with, with Cooper? You know, and after hearing him on the show a few times, like, again, a lot of people have this, they think, oh, he's cocky and he's um, kind of an asshole, really, people seem to think. But then, in my opinion, if you really listen to him on a show like Pulpamex, you you see that, like he's not, in my opinion, at least. What do you think for after the the Monday interview? Uh, I'm exterior Cooper Webb. I think definitely he has to be cocky. I mean that that's the sport. You have to be cocky and uh, maybe like arrogant. Okay. Because all right, you're you're a pro. You you you've held the number one plate, but deep down, he's kind of like uh, like an RV. Like today, RV. Mm-hmm. You know, he just wants he wants to have fun. Like you could you could hear it in the in the his interview that he kind of wanted to throw a little jazz, but he's in the spotlight. He's still got to be professional. Where you know maybe when he retires, he's not going to be that way. You, <laughs> you, know? you might be right. Yeah, you, <sighs> he you're right a little bit. He does, but I think of all the writers, he he's willing to say. Like he's willing to put the rough stuff out there a little bit. Like I wanted to go out there and kick their ass and you know, that kind of stuff. Like that, that, like he said in the press conference the other night, uh, they're like, this stuff fires me up. I love this shit. Like he says that in the press conference, that's not super corporate. He's still, he's just a badass. And Steve even mentions that, but let's, let's listen to what they said about him and Kenny. And Kenny could have dirtied him a couple he times. I, why, like, why, why, why not? not? Aira and I battle harder for, a thousand bucks. I know it's not in Kenny's nature. I get it. He's a clean guy. He doesn't want to do that. But come on. After what he did to you at Daytona, 
after the, the, the thing that you said on the podium on uh, you know at Daytona, you have this chance. He catches you. You can't. Uh, Cade. I know, man. Look, if you're going to go down, go down with a bit of a fight and take yeah. Coop out there. He, like, moved him over and then just, like, yeah. he's like, oh, I don't want anything to do yeah, with you and yeah. ran away. Do you think it's a fitness thing or do you think it's a mental thing that Coop's behind him? Like, Dude, I don't know. I don't know either, man. I mean, he is a world wanna... champion. He is a motocross champion. You know what I mean? He's everything. He's won everything. And, and he's the bat. He won, like, Designations motos three or four years in a row against Best Rock. Like, you know, mm-hmm. he's a bad dude. Mm-hmm. I just can't see him being mentally mind-fucked by Cooper Webb, but maybe he is. Until Kenny forces Cooper to respect him or have any glimpse of fear whatsoever, why would he? Kenny, whole shots. Coop's coming, and he's going to keep coming the whole race. He's not going to get tired. He's just going to keep plugging away. He doesn't make any mistakes, really. As bad as the heat race went for me riding and then getting you know taken out, it was like, almost took my mind off of how bad I rode to like, ah, oh, screw this. I'm going out there. And I'm going to try to kick some ass. So they used to kind of bank on me struggling mm-hmm. in the whoops and, and knew, Hey, if there's big whoops tonight, he's, yep. he's not going to be in the mix. And I think uh, that's not necessarily the case anymore. All right, Jordan. So there's a lot of like mental talk in that in that audio. Kate asks, "Is it mental?" Steve Steve says, "Hey, I don't I don't know. I, I he's it seems hard to believe that Kenny would would fall apart mentally, but I I feel like it's all right there when you listen to it. Cooper mentally is so strong. Like I oh, I, I got knocked down. It pissed me off. I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna go win. Uh, you know, I passed Kenny in the whoops. He mentioned that at one point. I've never done that before." Like, he didn't come out straight up say he mentally mind-fucked Kenny, but he kind of still said it, in my opinion. I don't know. I think Kenny – I think the answer to Kate's question is, yes, Kenny is mind-fucked by Cooper Webb. I 100% agree. I think that if Kenny was going to pass Cooper, he'd have passed him. I think that if Kenny was going to do something, like when he was in the press conference – he said, if he wants to play that game or on the podium, I can play that game too. Well, where's the game? Because he continues yeah. to pass you. He continues to pass you in the loops. He continues to, you know, show you that he's coming from behind, even when you get this start. So, and, and I mean, I'm a Kenny fan. And like Steve said, I mean, Kenny's a badass. He's a, he's sure. a bad, but I mean, at some point you have to, and I understand that he wants to play the clean game also, but at some point you have to strap him up and, and go win a title. Mean. Yep. Yeah, you're right. And I think Cooper's, in my opinion, Cooper is doing that. Jake, what yep. about what JT said, um, that until Kenny makes Cooper respect him, Cooper's not going to respect him, basically. Like, you think he's right? I mean, how, how does Kenny fix that? You know, is, is he right? And if he is right, how does Kenny fix it? I think he's right. Uh, whenever Cooper is behind Kenny, like Cooper's thinking in his head, hey, I, I, I own him already. Yeah. Uh, you know, where until, you know, Cooper goes to make the pass and Kenny maybe gets aggressive to continue to hold the lead or pass him, you know, I, I think that this season's over. Like at the end of the year, he's going to, you're going to be able to ask him, uh, like maybe he cracked. I didn't kind of conversation again. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, yeah. Maybe we'll get another statement like that. I, 
Yeah, we'll talk about that call here in a minute. But the other thing, Jake, that he brought up, they were talking about the track and it breaking down and all these, you know, the differences of guys like Chad Reed and older guys, vets, guys that aren't racing anymore necessarily, giving them shit about not blitzing the whoops all the time and jumping through the whoops. And he brought up a really good point with the new format uh, with the timed races that you're getting 40 to 50 more laps or 40 to 60 more laps. I can't remember exactly what he said per race that, and, and the four strokes are just beating the shit to track to hell. Uh, you know, I guess at least I never did the math to really break it down on how many more laps there are. I thought that was a pretty interesting thing that Cooper brought up Monday night. Yeah. That's, that's the only part of the track that doesn't get revamped during mm. the, uh, after the races or right. after the LCQs and stuff. They pretty much rebuild the whole track other than that. So, of course, the loops are going to be complete dog, you know, dog crap. Yeah. What do you expect? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I thought it was good, though. I mean, I don't know. I thought Cooper is just a great guest. I think he's really, really good. I I like his no-nonsense style. I think Steve did a great job touching on all the topics. Uh, You know, and he's been described lately as being able to adapt and some random caller called in and asked about that. Let's listen to it. In the heat race, when Chase took out your front wheel and you went down, how much, knowing you, I feel like that was a lot of motivation for the main event. Like, I know how those things fire you up. So I'd like you to talk about that. I mean, it was a racing incident, you know, no no big deal. But at the same time, yeah, I was, I was pissed. I mean, as a racer, anytime you get taken out you know intentional or not you're not pumped i mean and and for me um you know being in the position i'm in it's it's important to to get those good gate picks and stuff so yeah i was i was super fired up and honestly um i think that kind of helped me in the main event because i was you know the rogenian came to me like hey you know just let it go let it go and i just told him i said all right i'm gonna i'm gonna let it go but i'm gonna go out here and i'm gonna win this main event and i fuel off of of situations like that you know i feel like i'm in in that area it's pretty pretty good as bad as the heat race went for me riding and then getting you know taken out it was like almost took my mind off of how bad i rode to like ah oh, screw this i'm going out there and i'm gonna try to kick some ass so they used to kind of bank on me Mm-hmm. struggling in the whoops and, and knew, hey, if there's big whoops tonight, he's he's yep. not going to be in the mix. And I think uh, that's not necessarily the case anymore. Uh, honestly, Coop, I had you at second on the night until Chase took your wheel out, and I told Kevin <laughs> Kelly that was a mistake. <laughs> yeah. All right, Jordan, uh, I don't know who that caller was, but was that the best call of the night? Pretty close. Pretty it close. Really was. Yeah. I mean, he was he – was, he was pretty good. He just straight called him out like it was, and he he and it allows Cooper to just I think be him, be honest, be upfront. Like, yeah, you did this to me, and um, now I'm gonna kick his ass. <laughs> yeah, great response from Cooper. Uh, I thought, yeah, I I just I don't know. Like I said, Jake, I think Cooper's one of the best guests uh, that that comes on. I just like the guy. I think he's really good. I think Steve did a great job. Yeah. For sure, I think that he was a super good guest. But uh, you know, as far as fantasy wise goes, <laughs> if anybody could have changed their pick, yeah, after Sexton took him out, I think everybody would have changed the pick, like you said, to, to Cooper to win the night because that just fired him up. You're right. I, sure. yeah, I 
I knew that was coming at, at that point, uh, like that caller did. It's pretty pretty crazy how we're linked up like that. Um, <laughs> since 1999, Seal, seal Savers has offered the ultimate protection to the off-road industry. Seal Savers is the original fork seal protection, starting with the original Seal Savers to prevent dirt, dust, and mud from getting into your fork seals. Seal Savers has since revolutionized fork seal protection with their Zip-On Seal Savers, making insulation a breeze. Check out their full line of moto products, as well as intuitive products for your side-by-side and uh, quads and everything else. Seal Savers is the original and the ultimate when it comes to protection. Enter the code PULP25 to save 25% at sealsavers.com. Uh, Jake, what are your guess? What are your thoughts on guest selection and co-host selection over the ages for Pulpomex? You know, we have Kiefer in regularly. Uh, then we have some guys that you know, Cade comes in maybe once a year, Weege every so often, Randy Richardson, uh, and then of course just the guests. Like, you feel like Steve does a really good job of mixing it up, or maybe are some guys used too often? What do you think? Uh, I think he does a pretty fair job at getting everybody obviously there's some that people might want that is just unobtainable for uh steve to get through personal reasons yeah <laughs> uh, jason anderson maybe. yeah that's what that's what i was thinking of <laughs> um but I, he does a good job at you know even on the monday night show which he brought up you know he to spotlight privateers if they're doing really good over you know but he might push some to the the privateer island podcast right so they still get a spotlight but not quite you know the clickbait that happens on monday night shows with you know tvs in the studio that's going to be a very popular one um yeah. Kiefer is usually a pretty good one and then uh randy richardson's usually a good one um as long as he can as long as steve can keep control of the show he's usually he's usually yeah, yeah. good at that randy's randy's taken control once or twice after the glenn helen show a couple of times galdi's always good i'd like to get galdi once once covid stuff settles down maybe galdi be back jordan what about you do you have any uh you got a favorite co-host or favorite guest of all time or what do you or does he need some new blood does steve need some new people come in I mean, I think it's always good for there to be new blood for, you know, there to be new people, new opinions, new, you know, banter back and forth. I liked um, just recently. Well, yeah, decently recently was uh, Millsaps was on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, He was a really good um, co-host. I like Kate. I like when they have he does have the privateer like kind of guys on there because you kind of learn a little bit. You learn a little bit more than what's just going on with the top four guys. You know, the stuff that Racer X that everybody talks about every week, all mm-hmm. the time, you kind of learn a little bit more behind the scenes and what they feel like and what they're going through. And Kate, Kate's a good one because he just kind of lets it all out there. He kind of yeah. tells you how he feels, tells you that things may be false that people have said about him or that, you know, how he feels about a situation. Yeah. Or like a so. Justin Starling, you, you know, Adam yep. Nap sometimes. Yeah. that Yeah. Good point. I, I like the, I like the privateers being in studio as well. It's cool having the racers, um, and I, I, I like that it's, it switches up too, right? Sometimes we'll have a mechanic, you know, maybe skip yep. Norfolk's in or Kiefer's in as a tester and then we'll get a rider in and then we'll get, uh, you know, Jeremy Malott or, you know, I, I don't know, not, I don't think Malott's been in, but you know, we'll get a, a promoter in or, or whatever, different, different aspects, different, just different views to mix the shows up. Uh, you know, some people say like Kiefer comes in too often and I think that's an insane 
theory. I think Kiefer doesn't come in enough personally. I uh, agree. Yeah, good, good. Well, speaking of guests, uh, Jake, Nick Way was a guest. Uh, normally a great guest, one of my favorites. I felt like maybe he was a little bit tired, a little bit spent after spending all week, all week at Texas. Um, on the YouTube chat, listener uh, Jason Strisky, I hope I'm saying that right, he said uh, Nick needs some caffeine. Like Nick just seems... Like he was, he was giving good answers, but he wasn't like he was monotone almost. He was just kind of going going along with it. It wasn't super exciting. That's my opinion. Yeah, is uh, I mean, he said on there that he just got in. Yeah, from from Texas and uh, Moto Dad's a tough life. That is true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, it, he was gone for two weeks, right? Yeah, I think so. Because I mean, yeah, because obviously Freestone was a full week, and they were at uh, underground for a few days. So I, I'm sure he was gone about two weeks. Yeah, and I think they were somewhere yeah. else before that, right? Yeah, so yeah, and he flew the kids in. Yeah, and he, it, so they're living the life while he's stuck driving the RV and keeping the bikes maintained as much as he can. Yeah, the thing that caught me the mo- the most attention, which is a very selfish thing, was he said he was pitted like 15 feet from Evan and Timmy Ferry at Freestone. I was at Timmy's motorhome. I interviewed Evan, and I didn't even see Nick. Like, that bums me out because I definitely would have went and talked to him. Uh, I, I looked – like, I was looking around the pits as I was walking, wondering where he was because usually when he's been there before – He's in the answer racing, like his truck, the, the hauler has answer racing stuff all over it. Uh, but he wasn't in that this year. So I just missed him. And I, pre- I was pretty bummed by that. Uh, Jordan, Nick says, Steve asked him if he's going to get back into racing, which he didn't commit to that, but he did say he's riding a little bit more. Does that kind of excite you? Do you know much about Nick way? So I don't know. Okay. I know like I'll ask Jake questions. Yeah. Like, you know, something will come on. Like, I mean, when I heard Wardy during the show, that kind of thing too. And same with Nick way. I'm like, who are they? Yeah. Can yeah. You tell me? Give me a little background, but I think it's always cool for somebody that has once been a big name in the sport to say that they're riding in or saying they're getting back on a bike again. I always feel like that's a good thing. Always. I think so. So I'm going to ask you this instead, Jake, cause I know you know more about Nick way, but first, before I ask you the same question, I asked her, is she pretty, is she being pretty accurate about how many questions she asks you? Like, is she, is Jordan really as interested in learning about this sport as she's claiming to be? Yeah, she uh, cool. she's always asking uh, random questions that I wouldn't think to ask somebody as they first you know come out, and she wants to learn about like uh, like motors. Oh, okay. When I talk about a four stroke or a two stroke, and she wants me to show her when I'm working on my own stuff on how it works and stuff like that. So she wants to learn as much as possible. So she's got to really good understanding of what's happening that's cool man and i love the fact that really a lot of this came from listening to pulp and wanting to get to more more knowledge that's really cool um okay so back to the original question though it excites you that nick way wants to start riding and in my opinion eventually he's probably going to go race some of these races right whether it be a dream race if they come back like or maybe go to loretta's and have to battle with Kiefer and or you know god i that would i would love to see him back on a bike uh, yeah, it, it's just the time. Is he going to have the time to do it with two kids on a bike? Well, that's and him true. to maintain them. You know, that uh, it's, it would be a great thing to see you know, him and Kiefer. And he talked about Alessi going back to Loretta's. Yeah. So maybe that'll maybe that'll spark some fire into him to <laughs> pursue that. Uh, yeah. But it's it's 
super interesting to hear him want to ride a bike again. I, I totally agree. Like it wasn't that long ago that Steve wasn't riding and didn't care to ride. And now he's back in, although he hasn't been on blue crew in a while, but maybe Nick way gets that fire back. But really let's be honest. The main thing with Nick way is he's working with Adam C and Cirillo and he's working with Cameron McAdoo, our boy whackers who Steve says looks like a different guy. Second in the points, all of that stuff. You got to be stoked. Yeah, I mean, he's been riding really well. He's obviously made a, a lot of uh, improvement. Certainly in the Tuesday race, he panicked once he crashed. Yes. I think in his mind that he thought that if he, you know, if he could have made some passes, that win was his. Mm-hmm. And then obviously getting docked didn't, you know, he's a little, maybe a little embarrassed there. So he was, I felt like this weekend, maybe he was thinking a little bit too much about, Okay. You know, not feeling great about how Tuesday went. He could have been a, maybe a little bit more offensive with how he was riding. Right. Maybe close the gap on Cooper. Yep. Yeah, I feel like I I mean I just feel like you know, ram it and 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 send it and we we make all these jokes about him and you know, he's he's given us some great entertainment. He looks just solid this year. I mean, I, I'll ignore the fact of OJing the triple in the first untimed at Dallas 2. He looks like a different guy, though, Nick. He looks calm. He looks steady. He looks like a championship guy where if he's in seventh, he just picks them off, right? He just Well, I mean, he's definitely made a lot of gains. Um, but back, going back to Dallas, just, with it being so slippery, you have to be pretty perfect. Mm-hmm. So I think I think it was another, like, a little struggle for him on him wanting to try hard. Yeah, I was I was proud of how he rode because those conditions certainly do not you know, favor him. So I think that with, uh, I, I expect Atlanta to be better you know, whether, it, yeah, it just, yeah. it's going to have more grip for sure. Whether, whether it rains or it doesn't, I think feel like it's a track and have more grip, which will allow him to be a little bit more aggressive. And so, yeah, I, I think he's in a good spot. All right, Jordan, here's what interested me with him talking about Cameron McAdoo. Steve says, Oh, he looks like a different guy. Uh, he's improving. And Nick's like, well, yeah, yeah, this and that. You know, he's he didn't go, yeah, my guy's on fire. He's the best right now. He's like, well, yeah, he's making some improvements. He's working. There's some things that are working in his favor. Like, pretty um, level-headed, not just trying to pump us full of smoke necessarily. Yeah, pretty black and white. Like, yeah. hey, we're working on things. It's getting better. I think he kind of led on to a little bit of, I mean, we obviously know how Wackers is and how aggressive he is. But I think he led led on to him saying, okay, Dallas, you needed to be perfect to have, to be on the podium, to be on that ride, to have, to do what he needed to do. And he's not a perfect rider. He's an aggressive rider and aggressive riders that make aggressive moves can get you further up there and pick people off. So I think he was kind of letting on to, you know, maybe that is his weakness. But, yes, he does still make mistakes, and maybe that's what they're working on. Yeah, it was I, it was cool. Again, I thought he was pretty mellow in his whole interview, but gave us some really good content. Uh, Jake, Steve asked him, you know, about Adam Cincerillo. He's coming back. When he's going to be riding again. Uh, you know, in my opinion, he pretty well hinted at probably won't be back for Supercross. They're looking forward to the Nationals. They expect him to be a contender. Uh, and that seems, in my you know, a roundabout way, he's that's what they're focused on. Yeah, he said that he felt that he was a championship contender this year, and but he also said it's pretty much up to Kawasaki, right? He's going to go ride what would be this week, and then Kawasaki's going to make a decision. So if that trumps that's Nick Way, I'm going to say that he's going to. Uh, 
have to go ride. Yeah, yeah, and you're you're right. I, I mean, under contractually, they may make him go ride, but you could tell that, at least in my opinion, that Nick felt like it, we need to focus on outdoors, and that's what he felt felt like was best. At least that's what I took away from it. Yeah, yeah. Take the extra time and yep. really get the bike dialed in, and you know, go for that championship because I mean, we AC's got speed for sure. No doubt. Yeah, it's well. <laughs> We'll find out, I guess, by Atlanta what's going to happen. So, um, all right, Wardy, let's. I'm going to go with you first, Jordan, because you didn't know a lot about Jeff. I think that's kind of interesting as a new fan. Um, I was a Wardy fan as a kid. I just thought he was just. I just thought he was awesome. I mean, he rode all the different bikes. He was a man on a 500. But really, a lot of the talk was about mountain bikes and e-bikes and how freaking gnarly Jeff still is at his age, like 25 miles with the power off on an e-bike and all this elevation, like all that stuff. I don't care about really. I don't ride mountain bikes. I'm not into getting in that kind of shape, but Wardy is a bad mother effer, a gnarly dude. Yeah. He's sounded like it. I said to Jake, I said, he's going to be 60 years old and he's, he's climbing in one ride, 12,000 or 17,000 feet yeah. or whatever. He asked when Kate asked him the question, I was like, that's insane. Like I can't run around the block three miles. Like that's insane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It shows just, I mean, how, how bad ass some of the, the, the older, the classic riders were. I mean, they're just, they're just gnarly. Johnny O'Mara, they talked about the same thing, Jake. Uh, I mean, they're just still, they're still competitive. And that's what Jeff said. I still want to win. I still am competitive at this age. So that's what he's doing, right? He's going he's probably challenging himself daily uh, you know, just on a mountain bike or a road bike or whatever and killing it. It's, it's unreal. And what do you say? My brain, my brain still thinks I can do it. My body lets me down or something yep, like that. Yep. Yep. That, that's how I, I, yeah, I, I feel that for sure. Uh, I was obviously nowhere near as, as athletic or as talented as he was, but my body lets me down daily. Also Wardy. Um, and Jake, Kate didn't have a lot of questions for Wardy because like Jordan, he doesn't know a lot about stuff pre like 2000s. I can't remember. I think he said a year like 2005 or something. But uh, he and I had had dinner last week, and he kind of talked about that. Like I just my history of those guys isn't very deep, so he didn't have a lot of questions. But he did say that Wardy is more dedicated or so than he is with you know training. Yeah, I think uh, I think Ward said that there was, uh, and Steve brought it up that. There was like 95 days he was on a bike. Yep, in a row. Like consecutively. Mm-hmm. And then that's that's crazy to think, you know, on today's with science and stuff like that, they say you need a recovery day. But, you know, he, he didn't go out and maybe do 40-minute motos every day, but he was on the bike every yeah. day for 95 days. Yeah, exactly. And, and I feel like in a previous interview with Wardy when he talked about that on Pulp, I think he talked about like that we didn't know then – that that could be damaging. You know, I, I feel like that got brought up in an interview in the last couple of years with Wardy. Um, but yeah, so, so gnarly, man. Um, and, and Jake, he had some great stories like about 84, the fireworks with Johnny O at Saddleback. And he talked about at Washougal that like he had a points lead and he was going to let Johnny go by and Johnny just ran it in, and took him out anyway. Yeah. And Steve <laughs> said there was, uh, there was sparks at high point. Back in the day, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, that uh, I was born in '88, so if I could have seen that stuff back then, it would have been 
pretty amazing to watch, you know, just like today, I guess. Yeah, and I, I, I assume a lot of that is on, you can probably find some of those old races. I actually have a flash drive somewhere that has tons of old races like that. And I need to go back and, uh, you know, honestly, I need to go back and rewatch all that stuff because in that era, I wasn't really, I didn't know a lot about motocross like Steve does. I wasn't following it. Uh, my family wasn't into it so much. I knew about dirt bikes and I rode dirt bikes, but I didn't, I wasn't in it at the time. So I, w- I want to go back and see some of these stories that we heard about through Steve and go rewatch them. Um, again, on YouTube, watching a lot. Do you guys, either of you watch on YouTube on Monday nights, Jordan? Yes. It's Listen, his phone goes off with an alarm at 7.55. Oh, good stuff. Okay. Yeah, you're East Coast, <laughs> so that's right. I, uh, and it, tur- it gets turned on the TV at probably 8 o'clock. So. Perfect, perfect. All right, you guys are true fans. I like it. Well, she's normally sleeping by eight thirty. Yeah, that's what she. Yeah, that, what's up with that? You guys fall asleep early because we usually message each other through Twitter, or whatever, the next day, and you're like, "Yeah, we fell asleep at like I don't know halfway through." What What is up with that? Old people. Hmm. All right, well, we're up at, at four thirty in the morning. We're both at work by six, I guess. I don't know. Uh, all right, I guess we'll let it slide. Well, my point was though, I, I'm always on the chat on YouTube. And we are moto on YouTube said that he didn't even think the listening audience was old, like this old to, to like that stuff. But there was a lot of people in the chat room talking about it. Uh, and that's another cool thing, Jake, with, with the pulp world, pulp empire is you have Facebook live, you have the chat room, you have the, I, I don't know if the chat room's still on pulpmex.com or not, but then there's discord, there's YouTube chat. There is chat on the fantasy page. Fans are interacting and like real time while a show's going on discussing the show and inside jokes. And it just makes it so much more entertaining than just sitting in your car and listening to the radio. Yeah. Like it makes you feel like you might be a part of the show or definitely, you know, like, like you said, the interaction, it feels like that somehow you might have a little, a little nippet yeah. into it. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think we need to give credit where credit is due for the innovations and the awesomeness that is the Pulp Empire. And that's obviously Travis Marks who and Swizz who make all this stuff happen. Because otherwise, it's just Steve behind a microphone. We don't get all this cool stuff. So thanks to Marks. Thanks to SwizzCore for making Pulp great. Uh, you guys know all about Michelin Motorcycle Tires from the Pulp Mix Show. And I'm excited to announce that Michelin Bicycle Tires is a proud sponsor of the Pulp Mix Wrap-Up Show. In 1891, Michelin patented the first detachable bead pneumatic bicycle tire. And to this day, Michelin continues to innovate and produce world-class podium finishing products for both road and mountain bikes. If you'd like to ride the same Michelin Bicycle Tires as mountain bike legend Cam Zink and the 2019 EWS champion Sam Hill, then visit them at bike.michelin.com for all the details on Michelin's extensive range of bicycle products. And also follow them at Michelin Bicycle on Instagram. All right, Jake, let's talk some fantasy, Pulp MX <laughs> fantasy. This is um, you and I and Jordan. We we message back and forth every week about fantasy. Uh, you guys, though, within your amongst yourselves as a couple, how's the fantasy battle between you guys? I mean, is it like is it real? Is it raw? Uh, I mean, currently, I'm definitely smoking or so. Uh, every week, every week she normally says that oh, I'm not playing next week. But right. come 
Tuesday or Saturday. Uh, I'll see her over there on her phone while we're watching qualifying. Like, what are you doing over there? Uh, nothing. And she's making her picks, you know, so. But do you guys, like, shit talk <laughs> each other? And, like, you guys make – is there any little bets amongst yourselves? Anything good that we can uh, talk about? Uh, we've had some uh, some prizes awarded. Okay. Uh, UPS? <laughs> No, no, not not quite like that. But no UPS, no, no UPS here. So I don't get the key for treatment. Okay, all right. Well, Jordan, <laughs> give me some stories. Like, give me some something that you guys have bet that you're willing to talk about for through through fantasy and who won. What about, what about every single week when I'm like, okay, help me. I'm like, here, I have this team, right? And I pick this team, and can you? I think it's a really good team. I didn't even tell Dark Side about my team yet. So, like, can you just pick? Can you just look at? There's no way I would. De- Prime example: Brock Tickle this week. Uh-huh. Add him on my team. I'm like, I think it's a really good team. I'm just going with it. Brock Tickle hasn't done shit all year. Why are you picking him? He hasn't done shit all year. Come on, George. Okay, deadline. I'm like, okay, who's on your team? Brock Tickle. <laughs> Wait, excuse me. What? <laughs> excuse me. What? <laughs> we fight. I like it. I I love it. I love Pulp bringing couples together and tearing them apart at the same time. Yeah, it's, it's, oh God, Pulp Fantasy is just, it's fantastic and horribly disgusting all at the same time between writers hearing that they suck on social media uh, because people are mad. Dan Truman, you know, fucking buying, giving guys ECUs to help them. Uh, it's just, it's it's crazy what it's done and how it's taken off and the influence it has and I love and hate every moment of it at the same time. The best part about fantasy, hands down, is learning who the guys at the back of the pack are. Oh, good point. Yes. If I was playing anything else and I'm not, but if I was playing any other kind of anything, you learn the top five guys. And when we explained it to people, because we play with a big group, there's a big group of our friends that play every single week. And we smack talk each other. We have a big group text that goes on. And my best friend is in it. And she's never watched motocross ever. Now she'll like scream at the scream for Paula Telly in the LCQ because she picked up on her. <laughs> uh, she, like she had no idea. Yeah. And I think that's the coolest part of it. That is cool. That's good. I like it. Uh, yeah. That uh, to me, that's a big part of fantasy and pulp anyways, getting to know those guys. So yeah, I agree with that. Um, you know, and I, I, I don't think that's the whole reason that Steve and the and Paul and all the guys decided to develop Pulp and Mix Fantasy, but it's definitely been a benefit of it. Uh, okay, let's transfer back for a moment to the uh, to the X-Brand tear-off segment. Moser asked a question that led to a good topic about Eli, and I want to play that audio. Uh, JT, where is Tomac's balls out sped, and do you think he will find it again, or is this the beginning of the end? Do you think he writes company emails like this? I, yeah, I think he does. <laughs> I think he does. Incredible. <laughs> so I don't know if it's the relief of a title finally or if it's the birth of his first child, but he's still great. But there, it is not the same Eli Tomac as we left Salt Lake with. I think the, the, the this outdoor season's big for Tomac on which way he's yeah. going. Yep. And, and if he's just happy to be win once in a while and be in the mix, great. Like That's awesome. Yeah, that's absolutely. incredible. But he yep. has not been dominant. No, he, He's not the same guy. There's like a, a half a percent or a one percent. Right. Lesser Eli Tomac than we're seeing now. I think everyone else is a little bit better, too, though. Why was Tomac tired at some of the races this year? I've never in my life ever seen Eli Tomac tired what? 
and I think you'll agree, Steve, he was freaking tired at Orlando. Yeah, yeah, no, I, absolutely. I've seen, I've said this a few times. It's but amazing. there's so many times where like Tomac is like charging through the pack, and if there's one moment of adversity, it's like it all just unravels. Like I literally saw for the first time in my life a physically tired, not where he's just falling apart, but he was not. He didn't want anything to do with moving forward at Orlando, and I've never seen that. And he, it was physical. Like I could see his body just kind of dragging. So Jake. It's, this has been a topic throughout the season, really, with Eli. Um, and Eli, you know, Steve says, hey, it's, it, outdoors is critical for him. Um, do you agree, though, with JT that there's something physical going on? And, you know, Steve kind of mentioned, hey, the, the birth of the kid. And, you know, like, what, what do you think is going on with Eli? I think that he's showing that he is human. Uh but we've seen the balls out speed too. Maybe like, like Daytona, I guess maybe wasn't the balls out speed that we're normally used to seeing from Eli. But uh, in his press conferences, he's been a lot more open too. He's shown his personality. Mm. Um, so I think that uh, with everybody else leveling up, you know, and and the the determination of everybody, I think that they've closed the gap and. Uh, Eli's got his championship already, the one that everybody said that he wasn't going to get. Yeah, I think so they've like, talked about that. He he may be content. And, you know, Cade, Cade kind of brought that up, that everybody else has gotten better. And, and I do agree. I think the guys have gotten better. And I think, like JT said, that Eli is a, a percent or two off what he was. It's a, it's an interesting, though, discussion. We don't really – there's no way for us to get a real answer of what really is different or whatever, but – uh, definitely worth the discussion. It was kind of entertaining. It's always entertaining to listen to him go back and forth. Uh, I think Steve's right. I just that he he's got to do something outdoors. He better he, he better get another championship. Uh, he may be wrapping it up though. Uh, Eli may be winding it down. Um, Jordan JT was a big part of that conversation that we just talked listened to. What do you think about JT and his dynamic with Steve of very very close friends? I don't know if they're best friends, but they're pretty damn close. Uh, and, you know, the, the arguing almost like brothers, but still mutual respect, the way they handle each other on the air. Uh, it's one of my favorite things throughout Pulp. What do you think? So as far as media guys, they're almost the, call it the Cade and A-Ray of media people. Okay. Um, meaning like they'll argue with each other. They'll tell each other exactly how they feel. They don't care if their opinions are different. They don't care if their opinions are the same. They'll argue their opinion till the death and they're not, and they're okay with it. They respect each other for it and they move on from it and they're going to talk the next day, or they may be annoyed with each other for a little bit, but they're going to talk again. I, I think it's a cool dynamic to see. Yeah, it's, it's fun. And I think what really makes it, more entertaining is that typically when they have a disagreement, even if one proves the other one wrong or right or whatever, they will not bend. Just not going to do it. 99% of the time, they're going to stick with their original opinion no matter what. Uh, but when JT hung up Monday night, Cade's, or he told Cade, great job this year. And Steve says, yeah, Hey, I love his making peace with Cade Clayson. And, uh, you know, they so there was there's some beef, right? Kate says he enjoyed the beef with, and it motivates him with with JT, giving him a little bit of shit or whatever. Steve went on to talk about how JT handles 
just get talking to certain writers or talking about certain writers. And I want to play some of that audio. And I actually got Jason Thomas on the phone last night and let him respond because he didn't get a chance to Monday night. So let's listen to that. Adam Cincerillo, Zach Osborne are my guys. I talk to him a lot. But you're I, not afraid to shit on him. I am not afraid to shit on him. JT, it plays the sides. He's got his guys, and he's got his guys that he doesn't like. And I just feel like I just call it like I see it. And he's got fly stuff, and he wants to pr- protect that end of things, and he wants to do the VIP stuff, and he, he's got felled guys, and he, you know, he wants to make them happy. And MXGP does stuff with MXGP TV, so he's got to watch that. I don't care about any of that. I just call it like I see it. Not, I'm not always right. Uh, obviously, I've, I've made plenty, yeah. plenty of mistakes. I feel like once JT, once you're here or here with JT on either side, that's it. All right, Jason. So uh, after you left the call the other night, Steve said those things. What What are your thoughts? You know, he's not totally wrong. Uh, you know, the great thing for Steve is that he doesn't really have any responsibility other than making sure he doesn't completely alienate sponsors. He's right. I do have a lot of people that I need to make sure I'm not. You know, I have a full-time job with fly racing, and I do uh, – we have a, a really close relationship with Feld. That's a working relationship, too. And, and so he's he's not wrong, but I think there's – not considering is that, you know, I spend a lot of time doing what these guys are doing that I'm criticizing, right? I, I race beside some of these guys, and then I've watched the rest of them ever since I stopped. So I put myself in their shoes, and – I can see both sides of the situation, but part of his point was that once you're on one side or the other, you stay there. Well, sometimes I think you deserve it. You know, there are certain guys that I don't like, and I don't like them for a reason. I didn't just magically make up a reason to dislike them. Uh, it's usually from personal experiences or things that I've watched them do. So, um, you know, I don't really disagree with all the things he said. I just think he's only telling part of the story. I would I would tell you and, and tell them to their face exactly why that I don't like them if I don't like them. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it is – you are in a weird position, though, with, you know, working for a company that's involved like that, like you kind of said earlier, you know, with fly racing and then doing the TV stuff with when you do stuff for the GPs or whatever. So you, I, I do think you got to be careful to not burn certain bridges. Yeah, I mean, he, he is in a very advantageous position when it yeah. comes to having hot takes because as long as everybody – can cool off at the end of the day it's fine right i can't piss off dealers or anger riders that we're trying to sign you know if i say the wrong thing about the wrong rider and then it's contract negotiating time that that stuff comes up you sure know? i I've, I've had it happen in the past where i've kind of stepped over the line with some stuff and then i get called on it so i have to really be careful and mad at me because i can't really have I can't take a hard angle or have a hard opinion. That's just part of it. You know, unfortunately there are, there are times where I can't speak my mind uh, to the letter that he can. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's just, that's just the difference between the situation he's in and the situation that I'm in. Well, I appreciate you coming on for a few minutes uh, for the Pulp MX wrap up show and uh, giving us your side since you weren't able to sort of explain your own side, you know, Steve, like, and Steve didn't do that on purpose. Obviously he just thought of it after you got off the phone and, he uh, he had mentioned he would obviously say it to your face. He's certainly not afraid of that. But I just wanted to hear your response, and I appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. And like I said, I I really don't disagree with them. Yeah. Um. There's just there's just a lot to it, right? There's a lot of uh, a lot of ins and outs. A very complicated case. Awesome. Well, JT, thank you for some of your time for the the Pulp Mix wrap up show. It means a lot, man. Appreciate you. <laughs> I guess. All right. See you, bud.
All right. Well, I just wanted to play that response. Uh, I apologize for the audio. JT had a little bit of a bad signal, but at least he got a chance to give his side of it. Uh, we're not going to just go over that anymore than just letting you guys hear it. Uh, what I do want to ask you guys about, Jake, what is your favorite segment of the show? Like we have tweet at tits, tweet at Talon, tweet, uh, tweet at whoever. We have race tech rant. We have X brand tear offs. We get multiple different segments. Sometimes we have tits versus hits. Uh, what, what is something that you look forward to weekly or, you know, even Kiefer after dark, that's not weekly. What's your favorite segment? Uh, I like uh race tech rants, but I think, um, future headlines is a good one. And it <laughs> or... might only be because, yeah, it might only be because it, it makes, uh, JT mad and, sure. and gets him fired up. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. Uh, but between future headlines, uh, race tech rants, uh, keepers, you know, is usually pretty good. Tits versus tits when, uh, people don't give anybody answers. <laughs> Who um, would do such a thing? <laughs> I don't know. Some, uh, some grandpa might do it. Oh, okay. We're, I, I just <laughs> lost Jake. He's off. He's lost good. the signal. Just me and About Jordan. Time. Just me and Jordan now. <laughs> you guys have a good show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jordan, how about you? You got any segments that you really look forward to? I mean, he really kind of said most of the ones that I like. I like listening to race tech rants because you can actually hear what may have made somebody mad that they might not just come out and say on like everything. Um, Tits versus tits is usually a good one. Um, No, I'm a race tech rants girl. I actually like if I'm not listening to the whole show after, you know, I fall asleep, (laughs) I will fast forward to it at the end to hear it. Um, It is one of my favorite parts. Well, that is always the right answer. Race Tech Rants, uh, use pulp code, code PULP21 to save. Let's listen to a little bit of Monday's rants. Okay, number one. Yes. I'm upset with you. Okay. Because you are very hostile on the mountain bike trails. You're just riding on their ass, and you're like, right behind you. Yeah. That's all, you, that's all you give them. And then you're like swerving all over, trying to get around them. No, no that, that's fake news. That's that not is, that fake That is fake news. news. I was totally waiting. Did you did you notice that parking lot that we went to? Uh, the, the first parking lot we hit, I could have caught that guy way, way before. before. First of all, you have to get up to them so they hear you, Correct. right? So you're that's why I'm on their ass, quote unquote. Second of all, right behind you is is you know just whatever. Just when you have to, I don't know. Excuse me, sir. When you have time, I'm right behind you. Like I don't, I don't feel like I need to break it all down. Uh, number two. Yep. Your your first take was bad. Bad. Okay. Okay. The hostility on social media towards people when their favorite rider, the hostility towards A-Ray on social media is very unnecessary. We don't need to hear your million ideas to fix the problem. It's inexcusable to say these things to a person who made a mistake on on the basketball court. If I ruled the world, I would send police to each one of these people who made these comments to this guy and haul them out and put them on a boat and drive them out to an island and they have to live on the island forever and hopefully eat each other to survive. You don't deserve to be like a regular working human being, a father, a son, anything else. If you say these things, like what were said to this kid. Mm -hmm. Follower of Christ. Follower of Christ, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Follower of Christ. I don't know anybody that would send a player messages like that. I don't know... I don't feel like I personally know somebody that would do that. We're all re- reasonable grown adults. But who who are these people that are sending all these messages? Exactly. Who like, are they? I don't get it. 
Are they I like mean, accountants? Are they? Do they work at Walmart? What? Who are they? Okay, so there was also a third one from Cade uh, where he said, "Hey, yeah, the writers, people at the stadiums, uh, you know, just just wear your mask. Don't be a pain in the ass." And Steve had his about employees being tired. Uh, they abuse me with clips. I don't know what he's talking about. I am not afraid to shit on. Him. And then I was worried about getting ass packed by guys behind me. And my wife just shits on me. No idea what he's talking about. Uh, and he says those guys don't give a full effort sometimes. Man, I think Steve is, God, he just doesn't see the effort his guys put in. I mean, I don't think there's anybody harder working than the Pulpamex employees like myself and Marks and Swizz, all these guys behind the scenes. There is nobody on any podcast working harder, Steve. But going back to the audio that we I actually played, Jake, um, what do you think of those two rants? Because the first one to me was kind of funny because it, it fell flat. That's what made it funny. Steve argued it, fake news. And then the second one, I am 100% on board. And the sad thing is I do know people that would do shit like that. Yeah, I mean, uh, Steve and said, you know, uh, except for Truman, right. which we've known. Yes, yes. We've known through the fantasy podcast. He has maybe not like gave death threats, but right. he has definitely messaged messaged them. Angry. Uh, and angry, yes. And uh, so with the Cade's first rant and Steve uh, giving his excuses as to why. Right. Yeah. If Steve would have gave that rant to Cade, would Cade got to uh, explain himself the way Steve did? Eh, or do you, or do you think that Steve would have clippy clippy that? He might have shut it down. He might have. Yeah, he can, <laughs> he can be a little bit of a dictator sometimes when it comes to the show. But then we also we have seen like we talked about earlier, Randy take over, and he even though he was angry, <laughs> he did let it go. So it's hard to say, but I do see your point. Um, I liked, I liked, and I didn't use this audio obviously, but where he was talking about riding and there was a race going on, a downhill race. And the guy's like, it's a race. <laughs> it's, he's like, yeah. you don't own the track. I don't care. <laughs> so that was, uh. yeah, I was cracking up. Uh, that's again, I think that's why most of us love the rants. It's even when I don't agree with the rants, like the Chick-fil-A rant, it's still funny as hell. Yeah, exactly. It's funny. Yeah, Jordan. Thoughts on the rants? Anything? Uh, anything you want to add? I think the the one rant that he that I thought was funny was when they're standing in line when he was standing in line for Starbucks. Oh, that was good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was when but, he was uh, in uh, like Indy or something. Maybe it was a cheerleading competition. Yes. And that cheerleading competition a couple of times yeah it was ridiculous <laughs> yeah that was good he's people are cutting and he's just like really yeah yeah that's uh, yeah no the what people do and say to these people on social media is insane like even back a couple of races like with the whole christian craig thing mm -hmm. like his i follow his wife on social media oh yeah even Paige. She, i have to follow off i have to come off social media right now because people were threatening her like it, it's insane people are <laughs> fucked i mean that's just when it comes to social media, and the worst part, they didn't exactly say this. I don't. Maybe Kay did, but a lot of these people—they're not even real accounts. They're like, or they're—I mean, they're real accounts, but they're—it's not like your account or my account when it's actually a real person. It's like some fake name with a fake picture. Like, have the fucking balls to say it and be like, "Yeah, I'm Joe Smith from you know wherever." And go and have the balls to go to a race or an event and say this to their face if you're going to say it. But hiding behind a keyboard 
when you have zero ability to do what these guys are doing or have ever felt that pressure or whatever the case may be. It's just bullshit. I, it pisses me off and I'll get, yeah, yeah I'll get wound up too. So, uh, but, uh, and they'll be buddy buddies with them. They'll be buddy buddies with them if they've seen him face to face. Exactly. Well, it was it was Rutledge right last week on the last show where he's like, "Yeah, this dude tweeted me and he had the affliction shirt on." And I responded. And he was like, "Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah we're, it's cool, it's cool." No, don't be a fucking pussy if you're going to say some shit. Stand by it. If you really believe it, then fucking stand by it. But honestly, <laughs> if you got something like that to say to somebody, you need to take a step back and decide. Like, if somebody said that to you how that would make you fucking feel and be real about it. Don't be like, Oh, I don't fucking care. Cause most people actually, actually do have feelings. My favorite person was that is like, wasn't like, he'll tell you all the time. People say things to him all the time and you, he'll show you what he says. To these people. Yeah. It's yeah. Hilarious. Oh my God. Yeah. Weston don't, doesn't give an F. Uh, no, what, what were you going to say there, Jake? It didn't, didn't Cade say he'll, he'll like type something and let it sit there for a minute and think about, you know what it is. You know, he did say probably, that. Probably, probably in the long lines of these people saying, you know, whatever they say, they are are hurting themselves mm-hmm. inside. True. That's where. You know, and Steve so. will tell you he's he's told it like I just block him, which then other people are like, oh, that's kind of the pussy move or whatever. But it's really not. I don't think after a while because you just get tired of it. Uh, you know, it's just I. You don't. Who really needs that? It's not like. You're being emotional. It's just I don't need that negativity. Fuck it. I'm you don't you don't deserve to follow me, so you're out. I get it. Um I haven't blocked too many people yet. There's a couple of people I should block, but uh I think Steve's handled it the right way. And and I think Cade, that point that you just made, Jake, you know, write it down, say it out loud, type it up and wait ten minutes and re and decide if you still really want to send it before you send it. Um yeah, it's it's scary. Social media is scary. Those who ride dirt bikes, motorcycles, ATVs, and UTVs know Motorsport is the best place for OEM and aftermarket parts, riding gear, and accessories. Motorsport.com's dedicated team of gearheads have the knowledge and expertise to help get your ride working at peak performance and have you looking good, too. Whether you race on the track, ride on the trails, or commute on the street, make your next ride your best ride only at Motorsport.com. What kind of riding do you do, Jake? I motocross. Okay. You, you 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 better wear flag gear. Uh, I want to set a flag gear on a different podcast. Oh yeah, uh, the, the, the Pony Pod maybe. I've never heard of it. Meadow, Meadow X Pod Show. I, huh. Uh, that, I don't. That might be it. Oh, that's cool. Those guys must be awesome if they're giving away flag gear. I like uh, it. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I like that you won, <laughs> man. That's awesome. Well, I'm glad you're wearing fly. Fly is obviously a proud sponsor of Pulpamex. All the sponsors of Pulpamex are, you can usually find most of the links at the sponsor deals tab on pulpamexshow.com. Use those links, use those discount codes to support the Pulpamex show. It helps support the wrap-up show. It helps support key for ink testing. All the shows that are on Pulpamex. Steve, you know, it takes money to do these shows. It takes money to get to these races. You guys support the sponsors. They continue to contribute to the Pulp Show. So keep using them. And if you can't find a discount code or a link for a sponsor that you know is helping out Pulp, contact at pulpmexshow.com. Hit up Steve. He usually gets back with you pretty quick and can help you out. Okay, a few more things before we wrap this up. Tweet at Talon. How do you guys feel about the new uh, intro for Talon? Jake, you like it? 
Uh, it's different. I'll say that. Okay, it's you don't different. love it. That's okay. You don't love it. It hasn't. It hasn't sunk in yet. What about you, Jordan? It's a. It's okay. Yeah, I. I agree. I'll give you guys that. It's. It's. I. It, it's definitely not as good as Tweet at Tits. That's a classic. Um. Yeah. They, go ahead. They. Uh. You know, it's. I get the talent thing, but there's nothing in it like talent. They'd have been better off like. Do the chickens have large talons from, uh, <laughs> from what, Napoleon? What maybe, yeah. Yeah, from Napoleon or something. Like, clip that out. Uh, I get why they did it with uh, the beaks thing with Eagle Grit, but it's uh, it's, it's a lot. I'll say it. A lot happens in that, what, 20 second clip of the intro and the outro. Yeah, and it, it's very deep. Like, as far as you have to be a diehard fan that remembers very minor details. But, um, it's that's good. I mean, you can't win them all, Swizz. It's it's still it's okay. Hey, you did a better job than I could have done, so we'll give him credit for that. Uh, obviously, this is the tweet segment, and the best part of the tweet segment that night to me was at the end when Talon read a couple that was like, "Hey, do you think Webb is doing well?" And Steve was kind of ranted about tweets like these. You're supposed to pick the best ones. These aren't very good. Uh, that was kind of a kicker. I like that. Um, Couple little things that I just want to touch on is from earlier in the show, but Chiz doesn't like, or I don't know if he doesn't like, but he wasn't super fond, Jordan, of Cade being called Infant Chiz. He doesn't deserve that yet. Uh, Cade kind of explained it as, well, man, I'm, I'm just starting to Chiz. I'm an infant Chiz. And I'm sure that Chiz is not actually mad, but I, I like the fact that Kyle listens and is playing along and giving his, like, he's it, he's a writer and he's into it. Yeah, he listens. He tweets about it. Like, yep. I saw him. He tweeted to Steve, like, is Chiz going to Chiz tonight? Like, he plays right into the whole thing. And I think he likes it. I think that it kind of helps him stay on top of his stuff, too. And yep. I do. I don't I don't think he necessarily likes that there, there might be another Chiz. I think that he wants <laughs> sure. to <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I think only uh, only only his wife likes the Chiz. She, she, she's the only one that deserves the extra Chiz. <laughs> nobody else nobody else gets chizz's chiz. <laughs> All right, a uh, couple more um the Steve tweeted today speaking of tweets and they joked about it Monday. A raise parts budget with SBG with the team is about $5300 on the year while his teammate Rod Bell's at 900 and uh Jeremy Smith I believe is the other teammate which is even less than that. Jake, that's uh that's a big difference. We know A-Ray's hard on parts, but I'm pretty sure A-Ray's been in a lot more races than the other two guys also. Uh, Rod Bell's yeah, and Yeah, and uh, like one of them was a frame that he wasn't in control of, but the motor thing is he's in control of. And I, I watched their uh, YouTube channel, mm-hmm. and all the normal parts are not accounted for, so it's only major parts okay. that that – the, you know, like tires don't count and stuff like that. So it's major parts get put on that on their on their on their board. So uh, I think it's two or three motors and <laughs> uh, a frame. <laughs> so uh. yeah, it, it is common. Look at last year at uh, Ironman with you know with the rock. He blew up another motor. Right, he's, right. Ta- he's, he's talking about. Uh, Having a Frankenstein parts together and first practice bikes, uh, yeah, 
for his practice bikes and trying to steal bikes off a swap and it's it's, it's inevitable like oh. it's, it's never ending the a-ray needs parts like and there's never he don't got a parts budget right through calgary anymore because he's wasted it or he's used it up yeah that's oh, so great such great content steve <laughs> i love it i love it um okay Here's the last thing we're going to talk about probably. Uh, Jordan, you actually mentioned this, I believe. I think you mentioned this in your notes or in one of the texts. Maybe it was Jake about Cade wearing his own jersey, mountain biking. Was it one, Did one of you send that to me? Yeah, I got it. Okay, I it was you, Jake. It. So, yeah, it's it's really not. You just look. He said he didn't have any other long sleeve jersey. You know, it's like I don't think he does this regularly. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's a – is it the word a faux pas? It's a faux pas, Jake, to wear your own jersey. Uh, yeah, but fashion faux pas. Doesn't Steve normally wear like just athletic shorts, or he at least he used to when he first started mountain biking? Athletic shorts and that that was it F sixteen jersey or something like that. I think so. Yeah, the but fly. it doesn't say Mathis on the back though. And that's 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 his choice though, right? That it that it's not embroidered, or yeah. you know that it's not. Uh, so that's what I'm sure every jersey that Cade gets has Cade's. Uh, name and number on it yeah um, through the through his active i think it's active the gear that he has so uh uh you don't you don't really have a problem with it then uh i for him going mountain biking with steve i don't see a problem with it now if he wore it to a supercross or if he wore it to uh you know a football game right, or something right, like okay. that there's a difference but it, he is going out with his buddy yeah all you right know, so well that's I, I was hoping you were gonna bust on kate a little bit because i say <laughs> don't you don't wear your jersey you just don't do it um all right well we're about to wrap this thing up the last thing i want to mention we talked about it briefly earlier is there is a contest that steve proposed and the guys agreed uh, Avery has 19 points right now. I think Cade is 16. I didn't write it down. Uh, whoever has the most points after Salt Lake City 2, Steve is going to give $1,000 to their favorite charity. Steve always giving back, man. I like, and he's, I like he's, that he said it has to be a good charity, a legit charity. It can't be something stupid like Avery's part, parts budget. Uh, that's, that's Steve making some fun out of what's going on, making it a little more entertaining for us, and then also giving back. So that's pretty fantastic. Before I let you guys go, Jordan, anything else with this episode? Anything else you want to mention, talk about? Any thoughts about Pulpamex in general? Now's your time. You know, I am, I could just say I'm thankful for Pulpamex and Steve. I mean, I feel like I've learned so much. It's It's been a good thing for not only mine and Jake's relationship, for just my moto knowledge in general. That's cool to hear. I, I really dig that. This, you guys are the first couple we've had on here. Uh, and that's cool to hear that you guys, that you found the passion for the sport. You know, Jake kind of led you to it, but Pulp MX fuels it a lot. And I think that's really the, the bread and butter of Pulp MX. Uh, Jake, anything else you want to add in, say, or talk about? Uh, nothing that really comes to mind, but uh, Chris Betts is playing for the Biscuits. Oh, yeah, dude. I did. I wrote that down somewhere, like the Baltimore Biscuits or something. That. I, I didn't get it in my final notes, but it, it's in my other yeah. notes. That's great. Yeah, That's a where, the worst team name ever. Well, yeah, somebody else. I think Nick Wave said something about uh, their local minor league team is the Lug Nuts or something. Oh, like that. Yeah. I like that better than the what, Biscuits. 
Yeah, where do they come up with the names, though? I mean, they're trying not to be offensive. Yeah, right? That's exactly what What's it is. Not- yeah. Jeez. Hey. Yeah, like uh, I, I was about to say something else. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> stop myself right now. Yeah, that's great. Chris Betts in the bit on the biscuits. Man, I need one of those jerseys once he gets one. That'd be fantastic. Right. Uh, uh, so, dark side. Do you think that uh, seems like all the callers seem to be older? Okay. Uh, you know, like, do you think that there is something you know over that with like maybe it's a millennial thing that they, that they would rather text or. Hmm. Do you think it's uh, like a lot of the younger crowd maybe works uh, second shift to where, you know, they they can't call in live? There, there's probably a little bit to that. I, I would bet that the younger crowd isn't listening live so much. They're probably streaming on their phone when they're doing other things, but maybe not listening completely live. But I don't know. I've never thought about it before. It's interesting. Um I don't know. We should do a dem- we should get the guys to do a demographic like a demographic when they call in and get their age. Uh, what do you call that? A uh, I don't know. When they whenever they call in, they should ask their age and do a, a thing and see see uh, what the average like a, age, huh? Under the census. Yes, there you go. A census. Yeah. We should do something like that when they call in and find that out, and then maybe do a Twitter poll or a Twitter question as to why that may be. That's kind of interesting. I don't know. I don't have an answer because I'm not a millennial. I don't know. I'm an old dude that, like you guys, that sits at home on Monday nights and listens to Pulp and tries to do the whole show live on Monday nights. So uh, We definitely don't get the whole show, show live. Yeah, well, I didn't used to, but it's the only way that I can get it in before doing this on Wednesday nights now. It's just I can't listen at work anymore the way my work job, my job is now. So I have to do it all Monday night or the wrap-up show may not happen. And speaking of not putting enough effort in and being tired, I'm going to call out Steve on this. I texted him yesterday and said, hey, how do you feel about me moving the wrap-up show to Thursdays? That would give me so much more time to prepare. It'd give the people like yourselves who are co-hosting more time to listen. And he's like, no, I'd really actually rather you be doing it on Tuesdays. Like, holy shit, how am I supposed to put all these notes together Get you know, make sure that two other people listen to the whole thing in less than twenty four hours, and do a, a regular day job, and then not be tired and not be dragging ass when I do this. Damn it, Steve, you're demanding <laughs> as fuck. No, but... you, just, you just gotta tell him that your price goes up. That's all. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which again, he really wasn't demanding. He said he understood because I actually do my show on Tuesday nights, but. Still, I was, better hope for that tortilla sponsorship. Yeah, man, we we definitely got to get the uh, Mission Tortilla or uh, you know tortillas to do the wrap up show. Let's wrap up with Mission Tortillas. I like it. Other than that, I think that's a wrap for episode four fifty nine. There is no pulp show next Monday night, but we will be doing the wrap up show for last week's episode four fifty eight with David Villeman in. Originally, I was not going to do a wrap up show because I just. Absolutely did not have time last week, but it was so damn good. We're going to do it next week with the guys from Australia, the Moto Limited show, Nick and Trent. They're going to be on. We're going to cover 458. Uh, That will probably also be next Wednesday night. We'll get it up. Other than that, Jordan, Jake, that's a wrap. We're out of here. Thanks so much, Darkside. All right, see ya. Why would you want to re-talk about the Pulp Show?